Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Amen and glory. Hallelujah. How healthy is my heart? Or let me ask you this way. How spiritually healthy is your heart? Good question, right? On a scale between 1 and 10, 1 being the lowest level of spiritual health, and 10 being the highest, where would you put your health of your heart, your spiritual heart? Where would you put that? Of course, we all are honest, need to be honest about it. Where would it be? 2, 3, 4. How healthy is your heart? What kind of evidence is there of your healthy or sick heart? What would that evidence be? You know, I had to go to the heart specialist the other day, and they took pictures, and they heard my heart, and honey, I still have a heart. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Uh, and it was still ticking and beating. But you know, a sick heart, physical sick heart, has all kinds of uh, detrimental effects on your body. High blood pressure, anxiety, tiredness, sleeplessness, spiritual sickness. You're laden down with burden, guilt, just feeling overall bad. Where do you fit? Or there's the spiritual healthy part where you don't carry a burden. Where you're filled with joy. Amen. Because you know that in the end God is on your side. Christ died for your sins. But you know, the heart alone is trouble. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 puts it this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Alone, without God, without Christ, your heart is desperately evil and wicked. We don't even know the depths of how wicked a person can be. Matthew chapter 15, and I really thank you, Cody, for that reading. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says this in verse 18, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things that defile man. It's what the inside. It comes from the inside. It destroys people. And your actions are evidence of what's in your heart. These are the things Jesus says to follow him, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. You can argue all day long about washing your hands before you eat, but that does not defile your heart. It's what you bring into your heart. Amen? The garbage in, garbage out, as Mark says. 
got to be very careful what we put in. But there is good news. Mark chapter 2 verse 17 tells us that Jesus is the great physician. Amen? We need something spectacular and supernatural and powerful to come into our heart. And his name is Jesus. He's the great physician, not a philosopher, not someone who's bringing love around the world. Although that's true, but he's about taking care of what really matters, and that is your heart. Coming in and healing and purifying your spiritual heart, a new creation. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, puts it like this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them, and in their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Thank you, Jesus. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering of sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest of the blood of Jesus Christ by a new and living way which he consecrates for us through the veil that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a what? A true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. That's what happens when we come to Jesus, confessing him as our Lord and Savior, and be willing to be baptized in his name. Receive total new heart, a new creation, a new mind, transformed by the power of Christ. But Proverbs chapter 4 tells us something about how we need to value this new heart. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it tells us here, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. I think another translation says the wellspring of life. What does that mean exactly? Well, that wellspring refers to a continual supply, a life source, a continual water source of sustenance, of value. It's precious. Your heart, what comes in, what comes out matters. It's valuable. And you need to fight for it. You need to defend it. You need to guard it. You need to keep it. It's that valuable. Back home, back in Rinkin, Georgia, that's where I'm from, about 30 miles from Savannah, Georgia, there's a creek called Bear Creek. And my uncle, before he passed on, he was a great sportsman. And uh, he loved fishing, and he knew where to go, and this place called Bear Creek was that place to go. It had live, it had deer, it had alligators, it had uh, fish, it had everything you could ever dream of. That was how wonderful this area was. And he got me to go fishing with him one time, and he failed to tell me one important thing. Since it's so close to the ocean and Savannah, 
it had tides. So we went as deep as we could go in the creek, and guess what happened? We were having such grand success bringing fish in. Guess what happened? Well, we had to get out of our boat. I had to step into that water thinking that an alligator was going to eat my leg. Snakes were going to get me. Whatever else was living in that swamp, I didn't even want to guess. We had to get out, pick the boat up over those big logs every step of the way. After a while, I really didn't care about those fish. But you know, everything in that area depended on that water supply. Everything. And in much of the same way the creek back home brought life to that area, so the heart is the fountain of life for the body, mind, and soul. It affects every spiritual part of your being. And you need to guard it well. It is that essential. And the writer here in Proverbs 4, verse 23 says the heart is your chief and primary concern. Take good care of it while you are able. And I'd like to study just briefly this morning one particular area that is critical of the heart. And I'd like for us to turn to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. We won't be reading this whole chapter, but I'll just let you in on a, a few things. Belshazzar, Belshazzar, let me get his name right before I go crazy. Belshazzar, the king. There you go, brother. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast. This is 47 years after King Nebuchadnezzar came into Jerusalem and destroyed it and destroyed the temple and took all of the articles and vessels. So Belteshazzar, I'll get it out in a minute. He comes on the scene and uh, he decides to throw a party. You ever been to a party? A party you shouldn't go to? Mm-hmm. Well, so he's having a grand old time for thousands of people. It may have been more than 2,000 as far as I, I can get it together. A thousand of his rulers, and then it says the thousands of other people. It had his wives, it had his concubines, it had everything else, every other person you can think of. So you have this party going on, and... Um, As he's having this party, he decides to get the vessels from that was captured from the temple, the gold vessels. In verse 3 it says, And they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been Jerusalem, and the king of his lords and his wives and his concubines, and they drank from them. Verse 4, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. So they're having a great old time. And then suddenly, what happens? Out of nowhere appears this hand and begins to write on the wall. Weird. Bizarre. 
And it so petrified the king, it says that his knees knocked. You ever been that scared? Where you had your knees knocked? What were those words? Do you remember? Mane, mane, tackle. I'll get it in a minute. Mane, mane, tackle, you farson. I get it right. Mane, mane, tackle, you farson. Aramaic words. Could have been Greek to them. They understood it, but they didn't understand its value in monetary terms. Now, for me, it would have been pound, pound, half an ounce, and some change. But what in the world does that mean, Lord? His finger comes and has his handwriting. So scares this guy, Belshazzar, that he made an urgent plea. You know what that urgent plea was? He says, hey, if there's somebody that could come in, if there's anyone that could come in and interpret these words, he said, I'll dress you in fine purple linen. I'll put a gold chain around your neck. And I'll make you number one. No, that's not what he says. He said, I'll make you number three ruler of the kingdom. Just find me somebody that can interpret it. It was that crucial. It was that important to him. He was so messed up. That's a pretty, that's a showstopper, right? That's a party in there. Having a grand old time. Using the vessels. Just think about that for a moment. It's one thing to sin. It's another thing to use God's consecrated vessels from his own temple to drink wine out of and to celebrate other gods. Blasphemous in every way. You bet he was nervous. He wanted almost so he did what Nebuchadnezzar did, which he called the the astrologers, he called the Chaldeans, he called the soothsayers, he called them all together. And of course, they couldn't interpret. What is a Chaldean, by the way? Chaldean is someone who is mastered in the arts of witchcraft. That's why he called them, along with the soothsayers and astrologers. They didn't have an answer. So the queen comes running in and she says, Don't be worried. Belshazzar, don't be concerned. There's a guy named Daniel. And Daniel had helped King Nebuchadnezzar. He had uh, helped him along the way. And he interpreted things. And he, all you need to do is invite him in to your neighborhood. Just invite him in and he'll answer and he'll be able to help you out. So he does that. And brings old Daniel in. And he says, are you the same Daniel that helped King Nebuchadnezzar? He says, sure I am. And he said, Daniel did, but I don't want what you're offering. You can take your gifts and give it to somebody else. All I want is the truth. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 5. Before he interprets these four words, he has a history lesson. 
Every once in a while, it doesn't hurt for us to have a history lesson. Every once in a while, it doesn't hurt to be listen to somebody else tell you what you really don't want to hear. And so this is exactly what it does. O king, this is in verse 18 of Daniel chapter 5. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory, and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, all nations, and languages trembled and feared him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. And when his heart was lifted up, and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men, his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you... His son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. When you leave here today, if you go out and you sin, it's not because you didn't know. You know what is right and wrong. You know good from evil. And so he was telling Belshazzar, you knew this, all these events you occurred, and you still decided to not humble your heart. You still decided not to honor God. Verse 23, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you and you and your lords. Your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. You have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. You have not honored God and praised him. Kind of a wake-up call, isn't it? Would that be something that someone would tell you today? You have not humbled your heart. You have not give honor and glorified God. So I want to point out very th quickly here three reasons why we need to have a heart that honors God. The first is in his interpretation. Notice what Daniel interprets here. In verse 24, Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, euphorson. This is the interpretation in each word. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. For is your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Now, this is not good news by any stretch. But notice is what happened. Probably the weirdest thing that I think I've ever seen anybody do. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple, put a chain of gold around his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. 
such bad news, the king decides to give him all the stuff anyway. Clothe him in purple linen. Put that gold chain around his neck. Make him third ruler. Now why did he do that? Well, because he felt secure. That's why. You know, in history they tell us, and scripture tells us why, what happened, what was going on. While he was, while he was doing this, and saying these words, the Persians were already surrounding the city. Now, if you don't know much about the city of Babylon, they say there had 40 foot to 110 foot high walls, wide enough for chariots to go around, 11 miles in circumference. So you know what? He would feel a little bit secure, wouldn't he? I imagine that's what he felt, a little bit of security. But that's a lie from Satan. Don't ever believe it. When you hear the truth, you need to let it register in your heart and move and act very quickly on that substance. But the very first thing that we need to notice here in reasons why to have a heart that honors God is you have been weighed in the balance and found lacking. That's what Daniel was telling King Belshazzar. You have been weighed in the balance. God must be honored. No one else. Judgment has rightly fallen on you. This is why, and this is why it's happening to you. You chose your own way. You chose your own path rather than honoring God, rather than praising Him and giving Him all the praises that's due Him. Kind of like what Romans chapter 1 talks about, isn't it? Romans chapter 1 talks about the wrath of God being revealed against all ungodliness. And if you read through this chapter, you'll see that the God gave them over to a reprobate mind. They did all kinds of evil, horrible things. But it's verse 21 that's mind-blowing to me. Verse 21, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, and became futile in their hearts, in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Why did this all happen? You know what happened? Because it tells us so, right here. They did not glorify Him as God. They did not honor Him as God, nor were thankful. Honoring God, as Daniel was telling Belshazzar, honoring God is the basis of right living. Who are you honoring? Is the message. If you stop honoring and praising and giving God the glory, you invite sin to enter and defile the heart. And the truth of the matter is, folks, that every one of us have been weighed in the balance and found guilty. We are dead in sin. Children of wrath. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And don't think that sitting here and me reading this story to you in Daniel chapter 5 that it doesn't apply to you. Well, yeah, Belshazzar was worshiping other gods. 
the God of gold, the God of silver, the God of wood, the God of iron, the God of all these things. But who do we serve? Is it the God of self? Is it the God of money? Is it the God of games, movies, entertainment? What is it that we're serving and placing in front of God? God, Daniel says, must be honored. I'm afraid a lot of times we praise and give honor to everything and everyone else other than God. And that's a shame. So the first reason to have a heart that honors God is that we've been weighed in the balance and found lacking. Number two, this is found in verse 21 of Daniel chapter 5 as he was given that history lesson. Then he, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was with wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Why did this happen? He tells us why. Till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints it over whomever he chooses. Do you know that? Do you live like you believe that? That God is sovereign. That He is Lord. That He is Master. That He is the ruler. Do you live that way? Do you believe that? I mean, honestly, there is no other logical conclusion that you can come up to other than that we must honor God because He is sovereign. Because He is the great Creator. Because He did create us in His image. Probably the one verse that gets me more than any other as we draw to a close is verse 23. Read it with me. This is Daniel speaking to Belshazzar. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord. It's a terrible thing to be pointed out that the kind of life that you're living is really a life against God rather than for Him. They have brought the vessels of His house before you and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. You have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And, listen, this is the verse that kills me right here. And the God who holds your breath in His hand owns all your ways you have not glorified. Can you just grasp that visual for a moment? Does it register? Daniel is telling Belshazzar, God has given you everything. He's given you the breath that you exist on, the, the breath of life itself. He's given you, it's in his hands, and yet you wasted it. You dishonored him.
the God who holds your breath. Do we think about that every day we live? That the God who holds the breath of Bruce Kessler in his hands, the very God who owns all of my ways, have I glorified and honored him. What a visual that is. We're just limited and finite people. Just a vapor like James tells us. Here for a moment and gone for a moment. And yet God lives for an eternity. It's a frightening prospect. That I don't think about this as more often than I should. He is the God who holds the very breath of my life in his hand. So again, I ask that question, how healthy is my heart? Is it a heart that honors and prays God with my whole life? My whole heart, my lips, my actions, and all that I say and do? You know, it begins with believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for my sins. It begins with me showing my love for Him by turning away from my sin and honoring and serving Him every day that I live. Yeah, you know what? A lot of times I'm going to fail in that. I'm going to make mistakes. But that's why He loved me. That's why He gave His life for me so that I can walk that path with Him along the way. Sin reveals my lack of honoring Him. Where do you fall in this category today? Does your heart, how healthy is your heart? Is it one that honors and glorifies God? I mean, you know, the evidence is all over if you really, truly have given your heart over to God. Well, you're sitting there going, well, I think. Maybe I do serve him. I think maybe I do honor him. No, you know. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Give your heart to Jesus. Begin walking that life. You cannot walk with Jesus if your heart is honoring someone or something else. You cannot do it. Get your heart right with God. Today, don't wait. Why don't you come as we stand and sing this song? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.